Greetings ladies and mental gents and welcome to the Spatch video for the web novel Out of Space, taken from the website Royal Road. And as always, I hope you enjoy the narration, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. Chapter 309 Bronze vs. Lead Pull all the troops back and attack here, Moel Rothschild commanded his aides. There is a breach in the enemy lines. The Imperial runners saluted hastily and rode off to relay the message to the rest of the battlefield. Flags and horns were soon waved and blown, redirecting the masses of Imperial troops towards the breach of the UN defense lines. Double time, Moel yelled. We can't let the Black Scorpions take all the credit. Faster! Move! Faster! The Imperial troops knew that once the enemy lines were breached, there would be riches to be looted and women for them to enjoy. They formed up in mass and charged after the Black Scorpions without any folder or formation in their haste. Even those that were the morale broken rejoined the fight once word spread their ears. Moel was excited, for he rode alongside his troops urging them to hurry their paces. The troops, having advanced halfway through the battlefield without any danger, grew braver with each step and they wanted blood in revenge for the hell that they had been put through by the enemy. Charge! Fall back! A marine yelled at Mills's ear as he fired his carbine into the Imperial soldier that finally collapsed face down in the trenches, oozing some thick black substance. Mills realized that these Imperials were not undead, rather some super-heavy armored automata that was absorbing a lot of damage before they went down. Back! Back! Mills turned and pushed the radio men with his radio work on the back. Come on, Ted, told you, we need to stop eating those fries. Hurry up, man. Sarge, the radio man panted as he carried the heavy gear, including the weapon, and ran, following in the trench line. Not funny. Ha, Mills laughed as he took a look behind him. He could see some of the flames still at work. They washed the flames over the Imperials who dropped into the trenches. Whoops, more Terminators on our rear, humpered soldier. Luckily for the Marines, the enemy did not know that they were in the trenches as defenses, thinking that they only had some form of low wall instead. Hence, the great swords of the Bronzemen actually worked against them, as they were unable to swing the weapon in the tight confines of the tunnels. Some of the Terminators, as the Marines started calling them, were standing over the trenches and striking downwards at running Marines who ducked low and kept falling back. Those who stood on top of the trenches were exposed to the 50-car machine-gun teams, sighted, and a second line of defense. The Haven 1, or the H1 50-caliber machine-gun variant, was designed and developed locally, and so far it had proven to be as good as Earth's version or a similar weapon. The high-powered 50-caliber round blew the Terminators away as they stood there in the open. Some of the Terminators, still retaining their great shields, raised them up and tanked the 50-cal rounds for a couple of seconds before the steel and shields were twisted without recognition by the force of the 50-cal rounds. Armor, bits, and gore rained down on the Imperial Terminators, collapsing in unidentified mess before the 50-calibers switched targets and continued firing. Hold here! Mills grabbed a couple of marines and ordered them to make a stand. We hold this tunnel! One of the marines was an orc who carried an MG-1, his weapon of choice. The York marine, prone flat on the trench floor, deployed his weapon and spy pod, while the rest crouched down and aimed for their weapons at their end of the tunnel, where they came from. 
Heavy chunks of armor could be heard and approaching with the brief thunderous roars of the machine guns firing over their heads. Soon, smoking figures appeared from the corner of the trench tunnel, and it turned its head robotically to paste the marines. Wait for it, Mulsest, wait for that damn Terminator to come into full view. The distance between the tube was barely ten meters away as the trenches were dug in a zigzag manner with twists and turns, every few ten to fifteen meter intervals. It was to prevent infiltrating troops with simply firing down the length of the trench lines, and it helped prevent any gas or artillery attacks from spreading far down the line. The Imperial turned his whole body and entered directly into the line of fire of the waiting marines. It had abandoned its great shield and instead held its great sword pointing forward like a spear. Its one pristine black armor had slightly sagged from the heat and the framers while several bullets covered its chestplate. Its armor looked dented and had some sticky substance oozing out of its eyeslits and bullet holes. The Imperials braced itself as if it was going to make a charge and Mills roared, Fire! Everyone fired, including Mills, and sparks erupted all over the armor of the Imperial. It took a step back as to balance itself as the round after round slammed into its body. It managed to take two steps forward before it crumpled down into a heap on the floor. But the marines were rejoicing another Terminator came into sight. Fark me. Get it? UN Northern Front Central Command. Joseph hovered anxiously over the map table as he looked at the minute updates coming in from the front. Sir... All units in the Trench Alpha had to have fallen back to the secondary Alpha 2. One of the commanders reported, Units of Alpha 1 and Beta have been reinforced. Good, Joseph nodded in an acknowledgement of the report. What's the ground situation in Sec Alpha 2? Vulcan Company is holding the ground, the commander, staff replied, but they are encountering a new enemy that appears to be very resilient to our firearms. Heavy fighting amongst the trenches connecting Sec Alpha 2 has been reported. What? New weapons from the Imperials. Joseph looked surprised and turned to the intel officer. What kind do you know? Sorry, sir, the intel officer shook his head. We are still in the midst of finding out. But what we do know as of now is that they are heavily armored, at least with three times the protection of an average full armored knight and also covered with at least level one arcane protection. Our flamethrowers are reported that their flames are not very effective against these Imperials, the intel officer added and the marines are dubbing these new imperial troops Terminators. Terminators? Joseph raised an eyebrow. Yes, sir, the intel officer said. T-800, Terminator, from the movie Termi- I know what it is, Lieutenant. Joseph raised a hand to cut off the intel officer. I'm just surprised that the imperials had something like this up their sleeves. How are preparations for Operation Firestorm? Joseph changed the topic. Is everything ready to go? We need roughly an hour more for the marines to be ready, sir. The command staff replied, We need to hold for at least an hour more. Damn it, Joseph said. We'd better pray for those in the front. The Terminator bodies had effectively blocked off the route to the trenches at Mill's location. He could still see one or two of the bodies still trying to move, but they were trapped under the weight of the rest. Hold here! You, go and get some more ammo for us and bring us some reinforcements. Mills pointed at one of the marines with him. Mills carefully kept forward as a pile of bodies and used his rifle to poke at the now twitching bodies. Seeing it not doing much, he bent down to pull off the helmet. The helmet stubbornly refused to come off. Either it had been deformed by the bullets or was just too tight. Mills didn't care. He just wanted to see what was underneath the armor. 
Frustrated with the fruitless efforts, he whistled over to the Orc Marine. You, come here and help me. The Orc Marine quickly jumped up to his feet and came running over, and with his help, the helmet was finally yanked out, exposing a bold, alban head. Mills frowned as he crouched down and observed the Imperial. He could see the head of the Imperial twitching slightly, and its eyes were half-opened, with the white showing. The skin of the Imperial looked shiny brown, almost like a bronze, while gunshot wound in its cheek oozed some kind of thick and black liquid instead of red blood. What the fuck is this? Mills stood up and frowned. Seen anything like this before? Is it undead? Not undead. The Orc Marine dropped back to black substance and sniffed it curiously. No dark magic. Yucks. Mills grimaced at the Orc Marine, who wiped his hands on his duty uniform. Please wash your hands and don't touch me. No black magic, no undead. Mills sighed. My brain can't process this, so what the hell is it? Some kind of meat puppet? Mills' radio man and the rest had joined them with the bodies. Some kind of golem. Well, whatever it is, as long as we can kill it, Mills grinned. That's all we need to care about. The radio men and the rest nodded before one of them yelled, More incoming! Mills peered over the bodies and saw a large group of Imperials approaching down the trench tunnels towards them. Crap! Ammo jack! The men retreated and the previous location and made ready, while the radio men received a call. Sarge, new orders from HQ. We're told to hold for an hour more. What? Mills blinked in his surprise. One freaking hour more. Why don't they just ask me to take the enemy commander's head and serve it to them on a silver platter? Mills ranted. Aren't they crazy? The radio man ignored Mills's outburst and added, Sarge, you're not gonna like this. HQ reports a whole damn Imperial army heading our way. Oh, frick me, Mills hissed. Ugh. Ah, whatever. We just killed every one of those sons of witches. You with me, boys? Hurrah! Good. Now, let me show you how to trigger tripwire traps with these lovely grenades we have. The rock round when he saw exposed bronze men standing at the crest of the slope went down in pieces. He knew that as long as the enemy can see them, they can hit them with some kind of spell that the invisible to the eye. I want the battle mages to cast a smokescreen just beyond the crest, he ordered his men. Once the smoke is up, charge in. Do not stop, keep moving fast, kill off the enemy mages. Leave the rest for the regular soldiers to mop up. The black scorpion battle mages stood in position behind the wall and started their incantations. Glows of magic circles appeared to form into the ball of the ink. The battle mages raised their hands up and the balls of ink flew out into an arc and shattered along the crest, spewing out clouds of black smoke. Good. The rock gave a cold smile in anticipation of the slaughter to come. Legion of the black scorpions. For the emperor... Attack! Charge! Well, seeming the enemy defenses suddenly spewing out black smoke, he cursed, knowing that the rock had started the attack without him. He quickly yelled at his men to move faster. Every man who brings me the head of an enemy gets one gold crown as a reward. The soldiers, hearing his words, were stunned. Normally, getting an enemy commander or officer would gain them a crown for their efforts. Now every common soldier was worth a gold coin too. Greed immediately took over the soldiers as they cheered their lord and charged forward, each man hoping to overtake the other to kill the enemy so that they could be rich. Kill! End of chapter. Chapter 310, Operation Firestorm Orwell's Point Airfield 
The heavy rumble of the twin injured mariners drowned out all the noise at the runways. The ground crews made last-minute urgent checks to the two aircraft lined up on the runway before the green flag was raised for each of the planes. The pilots of both mariners acknowledged the salutes of the ground crew and pushed the throttle to their engines to the max and released their brakes. Soon, both planes took off into the skies with a belly full of napalm. As they formed up in the air, the squadron of Cobras joined them as escorts as they headed towards the north front. Secondary Alpha 2 Mills forgot how many times he had to reload and fight his carbine. His shoulder had long gone numb from the recoil of his rifle as he fired at the Imperials that kept crawling into the trenches. A sudden yell jerked Mills' head up and he saw the shadow fall over him. He reflexively stabbed upwards with his carbine equipped with a short sword bayonet and impaled the squirming Imperial in the chest. Sticky blood flowed down that stab wound and the wild-eyed Imperial who screamed like a girl. Mills grunted with effort to dislodge the full weight of the Imperial from his bayonet and keep the Imperial collapsing to join the heap of dead bodies on the trench floor. They keep coming, Mills' radio man yelled as if fired another wave of Imperials popping up like rabbits over the trench. Use your grenades, Mills yelled as they dropped his carbine to its sling and pulled out one of his last grenades. Ready? Throw! Those still having grenades threw them over the trenches on Mills' command. Couple seconds later, several dull thuds popped loudly and Mills felt the air in his chest compressed and the explosions of the grenades. Screams and cries of pain followed after the explosion. Mills roared out, Clear them out! The fighting had turned ugly and scores of Imperials reached the trench lines. The Terminators were mostly stuck in the trenches by the bulk of their armor, and those exposed themselves to the open were gleefully gunned down by the 50 cal machine nests. The common Imperial soldiers could not only crawl forward trenches and abandoned by the Marines, and they tried to navigate their way in the tunnels only to meet gunfire at intersections. The close quarter fighting had rendered spears and halberds armed soldiers useless. Even the battle mages couldn't focus enough that had enough space to cast their spells efficiently. The Imperials abandoned their pole arms and grabbed whatever swords they could find amongst the fallen. Some even broke their shafts of their pole arms to shorten their spears for use in the narrow confines of the trench tunnels. Moles watched another group of Imperials attempting to breach his checkpoint by using human wave tactics. More like elf wave tactics. His mouth was parched from yelling and screaming, his surroundings were hot and warm blood and the Imperials over his body didn't help either. Mills growled and charged Imperials and snapped fired his carbine, his shots toppling the leader of the Imperials who suddenly his carbine locked back. He automatically reached for his ammo pouch and only to feel it empty. Crap! The first Imperial slammed into a chest-high makeshift barrier of bodies and the Imperials started to climb over the gory barricades. Mills, without a thought, thrust his bayonet-tipped carbine at the face of the screaming Imperial. The high carbon steel gouged the cheek of the screaming Imperial before it cut upwards and punctured the right eye of the soldier. The Imperial screamed and half stood up on the top of the barrier and he clutched his ruined face in pain. Mills retracted back his carbine and poised to thrust it again when his radio man appeared next to him and shot him a blue-jacketed Imperial in the chest. With the support of the other Marines, they beat off the rest of the Imperial charge their bodies collecting at the bottom of the trench, seemingly turning into a part of the terrain. Freckers never stop coming. Mills took a quick swirl of the water canteen. Any more ammo? I'm out. His radio man shook his head. Everyone is running out, Sarge. Where's the ammo runners? Mills cursed. 
Without any ammo, we'll be overrun. You two, Moles quickly pointed at two marines, hand over your remaining ammo and go back to the lines and grab more. The rest keep holding here. The two passed the scant remains of their ammunition before running off down the line. The rest of marines gathered and dropped imperial weapons and guarding the trenches that lead deeper into the lines. Overhead, lines of traces could be seen as the MG nests denied the entry of chance to cross, forcing the Imperials to crawl on their beddies to move along the trenches. Earls, Lieutenant Silverstar suddenly appeared with several men. What's your situation here? Sir, Moles greeted his OC and gave a brief rundown of their position. We need more ammo and any rifles you can spare. Those are on its way, Silverstar assured the men. You just need to hold here a bit longer. What the hell is going on? Moles asked Silverstar after hearing the rest of the men. First we lost more to support, then we gave ground. Now this... HQ's got some plans, Silverstar said. We're letting the Imperials think that they're having successfully breached our lines. Once that happens, they'll pull off all of forces and focus their attention on the breach, Silverstar said. In that exact extent, HQ wanted the Imperials to think that they were taking ground from us and use mortars out depleted. Which we do have a limited store of mortar shells, Silverstar added. HQ wants every fish to be in the barrel before they launch the counterattack. Why? Why didn't you notify us of this at the start? He frowned as he hissed angrily. You know how many casualties we took from the breach? Calm down, soldier, Silverstar sighed. I know, and I was too just informed of this operation by HQ. Those damn pencil pushers, Mills growled. Wait till I get out of here. I'll show them what a pencil can do up their rears. This op is called CO's full endorsement, Solstar sturdy said. It's his direct order. What the hell? Mills cursed. Frick. Calm down, Silverstar said again. I brought some men and some flamers along with me to reinforce you. Once the bombardment starts and command is given, we'll push through and reclaim the four trenches and clear the Imperial elements in the sector. Frick. Mills cursed again and spat to the side. Damn it. Playing with our lives like some kind of chess game here. Cheer up, Silverstar said. Once this is over, beer is on me. Yeah, if we get to survive this crap. UN Northern Front Command Center. Joseph eyed the clock, mounted on the wall of the bunker, and glanced back at the map while he tapped the table in anticipation. Sir, the command staff called out. Seagull flight reports time to target five mics. Got it. Joseph stood up straight and gave the next order. Order all artillery elements to make ready, and warn all units to get into cover. Start Operation Firestorm in five mics. Yes, sir. Firebase, Georgia. Four batteries of 120mm mortars sat surrounded by berms of earth and sandbags covered, while the men recalibrated their sights and double-checked their range. Three mortar teams formed one battery, and all twelve mortar teams were sitting impatiently waiting for the orders to resume fire. Suddenly... They heard the order that they had been waiting for, and every man jumped to action, grabbing mortar shells and prepping for the fire. Skies over the northern front. Two seagull-shaped twin-engines flying boats droned on unmolested with its escorts at a height beyond the range of the ballistas or mage spells. Their escorts peeled off as the two mariners began their bombing runs. Their bomb bays opened up and they came directly horizontal with the battleground. The planes lined up one before the other and kept a short distance between them, before they released a payload of napalm bombs targeted at the forest. The Imperials looked up in confusion and wonder at the flying boats, and before they could do anything, gigantic balls of flames erupted all along the forest, 
instantly vaporizing anyone that was within range. Mual jerked around when the sudden roars of exploding fireballs erupted behind him in the forest. He was hunkered down at a strange tunnel with hundreds of other soldiers. His mount had long succumbed to the enemy's cursed spellfire. He looked at the burning forest in shock and wondered what had happened and what had caused it. Suddenly, dozens of explosions erupted again, and this time from the front. He turned to look in horror at the land before him, seeing the land bursting up in some spell and it slowly coming their way. The creeping barrage fired by the mortars rained high explosives down amongst the top of the position. Slowly, the explosions moved down as the mortarmen increased their range, making it rain explosives creep forward. The Imperials sheltered in the trenches were greatly shocked and frightened, as they were never seen or even heard of such a scary magic spell. As they watched the death creep forward to their position, many decided to run away. Soon, it became a flood of Imperial soldiers running back from whence they came, only to see their rear was in flames. They spread out out to the side only to get shot down by the marines that had reinforced the flanks of the breach. The cobras standing in the sky swooped down and attacked the flanks of the retreating Imperials, indirectly channeling them towards the burning forest. Those that remained in the trenches managed to survive mostly, except for the burst eardrums and inner injuries from the shockwaves, but they were just in a shell-shock daze. The creeping barrage increased its pace as artillery observers relayed information to Firebase Georgia and the mortar barrage chased the fleeing Imperials before overtaking them and blowing hundreds of men into bloody pieces. Secondary Alpha 2 Eurasian Firestorm is a success, came the radio set. All units to reclaim the forward trenches and clear out the enemy Imperial soldiers. All right, Bulls yelled, him and his men having resupplied. Let's go kill us some blue bastards, flamers to take point. They shoved down the barricades and made out of the dead bodies and quickly advanced forward. The flamethrowers equipped marines are constantly sent out carts of flame before and them and around corners, sending any surviving Imperials unfortunate enough to catch the sticky flame screaming. The flamers herded the enemy backward, and even the futile attempts at stopping the flames with magic were met with dozens of rifles and machine gun fire. Even the remaining few Terminators still stuck in the trenches were dispatched quickly, and the heavy concentrated fire. Finally, the Imperials, unable to hold back against the counterattack of the Marines, fled from the breach as they found exploding shells had lifted. They ran down a gentle slope and there was pockmarked with craters and hundreds and hundreds of bodies. The Marines had successfully retaken their position, leaned over the trenches and fired at the routed enemy, increasing their fear. As the enemy was about to reach the forest, suddenly screams of mortar shells came overhead and the forest edge was blanketed in airburst fragmentation shells. Deadly shrapnel from the airburst reaped lives like a farmer cutting wheat. Mole stood on the firing steps in a trench and yelled, Ceasefire! Ceasefire! He watched the bursts of smoke in the air covering the forest and wondered how many men died in just one day. End of chapter. Chapter 311 Chasing the Scorpion Rock ripped his dented helm off his bald head and wiped away the dribble of blood that trickled over his face. He glared at the unsuppressed anger at the enemy for causing the destruction of the majority of his forces with just a simple ploy. Now he was trapped with the enemy tunnels with barely a quarter of his legion still with him. Hundreds of other Imperial soldiers were trapped here and they were his men. 
He couldn't advance in the tunnel due to those cursed dragon breath spells blocking him. While his men were climbing over the tunnels, the enemy cursed thunder spells would kill them. And retreating wasn't much of a choice either, as they would be targeted by those screaming death spells in the open. Even the path of retreat towards the camp was blocked off by the raging fire that gave off a thick black smoke that covered the entire horizon. For the first time in his many years of campaigning, he started to feel a sense of dread and defeat. The cursed dragon's breath was appearing closer in his position. Even his mighty black scorpions could not even stand up to such a fearsome spell at such a close quarters. Nor his powerful bronze men could even break out the deadlock, and he had barely a dozen left with him now. The rest of his bronze men's conditions were unknown. He looked at his loyal troops' trusting expressions and made up his mind. Brothers of the Black Scorpions, we fought across many battlefields together. We drank and bled together. Now we face the toughest challenge yet. Beyond the rise is the enemy's stronghold. Rock pointed to the enemy lines. We managed to get this far with the blood of our brothers. Do you want to retreat back? No. The men chorused, their emotions riled up. Then we shall advance, for we, the Black Scorpions, have known no defeat. No defeat! The soldiers roared out, and under the cover of magical smoke and spells, they climbed over the trenches and over, and rushed out in mass to attack the enemy lines. UN Forward Trench Alpha 2 Mills and his men had managed to reclaim some part of the forward trenches when they heard a loud war cry and saw some of the trench lines still occupied by the Imperials suddenly broke out like a dam as the Imperials' troops in black armor flooded out from the cover of the trenches. For a moment there, Mills couldn't believe his eyes. The Imperials were charging headlong directly into the machine gun nests. Have they all gone crazy? Mills asked. Well, since they are offering their lives to the MGs, let's pick up the pace here. The Marines were fairly familiar with the network of trenches, well, compared to the Imperials who stumbled blindly around the confusing turns and bends. Marines armed with flames jogged forward in pairs. They turned the trenches before them into flames, forcing the Imperials to retreat back in terror. Once the flamers had done their job, a couple of Marines would lob grenades down to the trenches, packed with panicking Imperials, and the blast of grenades would shock and stun those not killed or wounded by the shrapnel. Mills urged his men to assault harder as the sudden charge had caught the MG nests off guard. If the Imperials managed to cross the lines, they would get back into the trenches and the Marines would have to backtrack and retake the trenches again. The fighting was fierce in the trenches as pockets of Imperial troops and Terminators made a stand in the narrow confines. Mills had to use flamers to burn down the walls of spears and shields in his path, and when the flamers had ran out of fuel, he directed volleys of fire and grenades to break down the resistance he faced. UN Second Trench Line The 50 cal machine gun nests were sitting along the second line of defense, serving both as anti-infantry and anti-dragon roles. As the gunners stared in surprise at the sudden appearance of smoke covered that came out of the front trenches occupied by the enemies. Holy crap! The gunners stared at the figures appearing out of the dense smoke aloud. They're charging us! Open fire! The land between the two trench lines was covered with lines of barbed wire that purpose was to channel the enemy into a kill zone. It was only effective against unarmed or lightly armored troops, but against the better equipped Black Scorpion Legion soldiers who had full plate mail, the barbs weren't so effective. The Black Scorpions barreled through the barbed wire which only hindered them slightly as they stopped to untangle themselves from the barbs. 
Others used their shields to create a path amongst the barbed wire to cross. Bolts of red-hot tracer rounds stitched out across the charging black scorpions covered by the smoke cloud. The high-powered 50 cal rounds ignored the smoke and the armor of the Imperials, tearing men into lifeless chunks of meat without any regard. Those Imperial troops likely to be behind a battle mage managed to survive longer due to the arcane barriers brought up by the mages. They weathered the punishing fire as much as possible as they attempted to cross the hundred-meter expanse of killing grounds. Faced with a deadly ground fire, the Imperials sought whatever cover they could with the terrain. Some even hugged the ground as they tried to crawl amongst the dead of the craters filled with bloody mud. The desperate Imperials tried to crawl on the ground that turned into mud by the blood that seeped to the ground. Their heavy armor encumbered them greatly, and many soldiers abandoned their armor to be able to crawl faster. The black scorpions soldiered on despite the horrifying losses they sustained in the charge, their eyes full of the fervent and grim determination to get to their enemies. Just as they were about to pass the last 15 meters of the enemy lines, shrieks came from the skies as mortars and batteries had re-zeroed in on their positions, and the bombardment of Hal began again. The rock laid half-prone on the bloody mud on the crater that made by one of those cursed spells of the rebels. His magnificent armor, full of all arcane ruins, barely protected him from the deadly thunder spell. Half a dozen of his lifeguards clustered around him protectively. They were his only remaining personal guards out of fifty. Too many had sacrificed themselves to protect him. Now they stayed low under the scant offerings of cover from the shadow crater, their eyes watching all directions as they tried to spot the enemy's deadly spells. The rock jerked up as he heard the telltale screams of the spells that came from the skies and he cursed, All is lost. We have lost this battle. Retreat at once. Tell the battle mage is still alive to make as much smoke as possible to cover our retreat, he ordered while his lifeguards prepared to escort him about to safety. Thunderclaps erupted and all the skies and death claimed the lives of the men directly under the air-bursting mortars, while cries of retreat spread amongst the remaining Imperials and they fell back in panic under the cover of smoke made by the mages. The rock, escorted by his lifeguards, ran as fast as they could down the slope towards the cover of the forest that was still smoking and burning when suddenly a whiz screamed past them and the ground before the group of Imperials in front of them erupted upwards in flames and smoke. He paused and he turned around to see what kind of mage cast that spell and he was dumbstruck when he saw what was coming out of the enemy lines. UN Trench Charlie 3 Yup! Fire! Sergeant Seth roared as he glued his eyes to the sighting device switching the infrared mode. The manned armored walker shook her three-inch turret boomed, sending a shell downrange their fleeing Imperials. Despite the clouds of smoke, the MAW's commander and gunner could see with the improvision on board their walker. Seth grinned as he watched his screen flash white and a clump move of white spots remaining still on the ground before he lasered another target and sent it into the gunner. The two MAWs trotted out of their positions and easily strolled over the trench lines, their three-inch turrets swiveling and erupting with the eardrum bursting roars. The Imperials, seeing two such monsters appearing out of nowhere, finally broke down both physically and mentally. They threw away their weapons and armor and ran, ignoring the flying bullets and shrapnel, only intending to put themselves as far away as they could from these monsters. Others dropped to their knees and surrendered. Some even curled up into a fetal position and cried non-stop as their minds broke from the horrors they witnessed today. Zero one to zero two, over, the radio crackled, interrupting Seth's thoughts. Zero two, send. 
01, take the left flank and mop up all enemy elements. The voice of Seth's commander came in clearly. How copy? Roger, advance left and destroy. Out. Go left. Seth ordered and tapped his booted feet on the left shoulder of the pilot who sat in the capsule just located at his feet. His MAW, Unit 02, hastily repaired from the aftermath of the fight in the planes, turned slowly as each leg of the spider tank moved one by one to rotate the entire hull. The three-inch turret on top remained facing the enemy, firing their targets of opportunity. Once in position, Sath ordered the pilot to advance forward on all guns to engage the enemy. Whizzes and bangs rang out dully against the hull as some brave soul loosed arrows, bolts and spells at them. The pilot clove laughed as useless as the Imperial Resistance. Our armor has been upgraded since the last time we fought against this damn snake. Your puny spells and arrows are useless. <laughs> he laughed madly as he aimed the MAW directly at the group of resisting Imperials. He grinned wickedly at the sights lined up in the enemy and he squeezed the red triggers on his control sticks. Instantly, the blunt nose of the MAW erupted as twin jets of fire that reached out far at 70 meters. The flames washed over the panicking Imperials, and when the flames receded, several burning figures danced madly as fire glued to their bodies, turning them into dancing pyres. Clove laughed evilly at the sight. He and his crew had replaced the twin Ford guns with a pair of flamers instead. He had seen the Marines armed with flamers clearing the cultist stents and was very impressed with the weapon. Hence, he begged and controlled his commander constantly, who gave in to his request, and in the end, he happily had to ground crew swap out his guns. The Imperials, seeing the monsters spewing flames like a dragon, ran madly away from their approach, screaming in terror. Lord Actual, to all Sally forces, proceed to the enemy encampment, search and destroy. If possible, capture enemy supplies. If not, burn them all. The two MAWs, together with half a dozen half-tracks and jeeps in support, advanced swiftly towards the forest. Chasing Imperials, they skipped the stretch of forest that was burning and charged towards the enemy camp that was boiling in confusion. They broke past the fleeing Imperials and came within sight of the enemy encampment, then the wooden log wall for protection, which the MAWs easily crashed through the flimsy walls, and the three-inch guns blew up the defensive ballistas and arrow towers lining the perimeter of the camp. The demoralized Imperial defenders tried to put up a fight, but they were swiftly crushed under the firepower of the MAWs, and they threw the weapons down and offered their surrender. Clove, stop burning the damn camp and those sparking flamers of yours, you maniac. They're surrounded. CO wants their supplies. End of chapter. Chapter 312. Intelligence. UN Northern Front Command. Joseph nodded to himself as he listened to the incoming reports from his staff. He eyed the map, where several red wood blocks listed locations with sizable pockets of enemies still resisted. Sir, the Sanying forces are engaging the Imperial camp, one of the officers reported. They are facing light resistance and will shortly clear the threat. Good. Tell them to secure the area, if possible, if not raise the whole camp down, Joseph replied. Sir, Angel Flight has rearmed and entered the AO. They are requesting further instructions. Another staffer reported from his station. Get them to support the ground units, harass any enemies and being rallied. Joseph said, destroy any large gathering of Imperials they can spot. The command staff hurried off to carry out his orders while Joseph pondered the Imperials' next move. Sir, Operation Firestorm seems to be a success. Intel officer suddenly appeared at his elbow. 
We estimated roughly 40% of their forces destroyed and the remaining Imperial's leadership too fragmented for them to ever rally any threat to us anymore. Joseph nodded. Yes, at the cost of our Marines. Sir, those losses amongst the Marines can be considered minor, the intel officer said. We managed to defeat the force 20 times our size with the loss of few troops. Why not? I understand, Lieutenant Joseph said and put on frowning replied. But I'm wondering if there are other ways to win this battle. Sir, we couldn't bomb the enemy from afar due to our low supplies for our artillery after the battle with the serpent. The intel officer reminded Joseph. Also, we do not want them to learn more of our capabilities, as this will not be the last battle we fought with the Empire. Letting out a deep sigh, Joseph said, I know, but not informing the ground units of our plan and letting them bear the burnt of the attack does not sit well with me. Sir, this is all about operational safety, the intel officer replied. We can't allow any word of our plans to be leaked out. Yet, the enemy has no means of breaking our communications, Joseph pointed out. Sir, we can't rule that out we'll not be able to listen to our radio chatter, the intel officer said. There might be spies or even magical scrying spells listening in on our plans. Not to mention, we need to start with the habit of keeping comms secured, he added. Sooner or later, this is a practice that we will need to enforce strictly. Joseph nodded, tiredly. I understand. I better go appease the truths and hunts over. The intel officer gave a salute before he dismissed himself, leaving Joseph alone to his thoughts. Trissom Cott shook his head as he exited the command bunker. He looked up at the dark storm clouds gathering in the skies, as if heaven and earth were trying to wash the blood away from the battlefield. The sharp cracks of the mortars were constant in the background, while echoing explosives rolled over from the distant battlefield. He donned his pea cap and quickly made his way to the motor pool. Back to port, he ordered his driver as he started up the engine of the jeep and drove him over to the field rig harbor which was clustered with barges and workers unloading supplies to be delivered to the front. He got on board one of the returning barges and after half an hour, he returned to Orwell's Point and took another jeep back to the HQ. Along the way, he watched the different expressions given to him by the locals here, some smiling and waving, others dark and gloomy. He had originally signed up to be a Marine, but his aptitude test and evaluation, he got picked up by the Intelligence Division. It might be due to his previous life as a street rat on the old capital of Gold Rose, where he dealt with the trading of rumors and news on the streets. Now he found a greater calling. He found the ploys, the backstabs, and politics of the street gangs to be childish in the face of the Empire. Now, using his previous skills, he started seeds of information network amongst the street gangs in the city that a regular offer useful tidbits and interesting news. He passed several checkpoints before returning to his office, where he disabled both the arcane and physical security alarm systems. After that, he did a sweep of his office for any listening bugs or spells before he picked up the telephone and dialed his superior to make his daily report. A series of beeps and tones sounded on the phone before it connected to the other line. Dave are here. Sir, Lieutenant Trissom reporting in, sir, he replied stiffly. Yes, Lieutenant. Sir, this is today's report on the situation on the North Front, Trissom said as he gave a full rundown of his report. I have also sent out a full report that is being delivered by the next resupply flight back to Haven. He had painstakingly typed out and consolidated everything in the document that was to be saved inside a tiny nail-sized device that was amazed him greatly when he first saw it. As it can't be cracked by anyone unless they have the human computers. 
Good. Now, what is the situation with them, Evelyn? Tavar asked from the other side. Sir, I had two Claymore two members watching her every move ever since she was stolen that vile dragon's blood from Magister Thorn's lab. Chisholm said, So far, there is no indication of any plans of what she's planning to do with it. But we did notice something strange with her behavior, especially during the night when she's alone in a room. What's wrong? She seems to speak to someone or something, he replied. So we did a search of a room and she was not around and found a palm-sized occult idol hidden inside a bed frame. It appears she stolen one of the cultist idols when she was supporting a raid with the cultists, Trism reported. I've stepped up checks on every item taken and ensured everyone involved in any of the raids did not take any mementos from the cultists. As well as, she checks out clean so far, she added. For Evelyn, we're still keeping her in the dark that we know what she has done. Good, continue to keep tabs on her, Tavor replied. If she attempts any ritual or dangerous activities, take her out immediately. Yes, sir, Trism acknowledged the order. Sir, do we need to inform Magister and Captain Joseph in regards to these incidents? No, they have enough on their plate, Tavar said. They handle the external threats while we handle the internal threats. It's easier for us that way. Yes, sir. Orwell's Point docks. The high-powered engine of the PT boat gave a final cough before it died as the Navy crew hull and the bold white painted letters 010 on the bow. The dock workers and military personnel had gathered at the docks ever since the first sighting of the PT boat was reported coming down river. Behind the FAC-10 Havoc, FAC-09 Daisy was being towed along towards the dockside. The remaining crew of the Daisy stood proudly on board the battered hulk as the Daisy and saluted the light blue UN flag fluttering in the wind. Rips, tears, burn marks, and even two ballista bolts stuck out of its deck and the wheelhouse covered and battered the hull of Daisy, which attested to the fierce battle it had been through ever since it had gone missing a few days ago. The military personnel on the docks returned salute to respect the Daisy crew while some of the workers applauded for their return as they heard the rumor of the missing boat and crew. Soon, everyone was cheering away at the docks for the safe return of the Daisy, despite being almost destroyed. Joseph and his command staff had hurried over to the front lines where the report and the two PT boats were docking. He saluted the fatigued yet exultant crew of the return to his salute with pride. Teams of paramedics stood on standby, and when the crew disembarked, they were swarmed by medical personnel, who quickly saw to their injuries. Joseph came up to the skipper of the Daisy and patted his shoulder. Good to have you back, sailor. Sir, Gortz tried to stand up, but Joseph waved him back. See to your wounds first, Joseph replied. Once you healed, report to me. For now, just concentrate on recovering first. The skipper of the Daisy nodded before the paramedics carried him off towards the field hospital. Joseph sighed as he watched two black body bags being carried off the PT boat. The skipper and Havoc came up to Joseph to report. Sir, we managed to find them just shortly before noon. They had run out of ammunition and were still bravely attempting to break through the enemy blockade, the skipper said, but they took critical damage as a last part before they could make it through the blockade. Luckily, we managed to get to them before they scuttled the daisy. The skipper shook his head at the craziness. We managed to clear out the enemy blockade and dropped a tow line to them and brought them home. Good work, Joseph nodded absentmindedly as he glanced at the battered hulk of the daisy. Currently, 32 confirmed marine killed in actions and another 19 missing in action, while another 83 wounded in combat. Joseph took a deep breath and his short afternoon battle had crippled his fighting strength by almost two-thirds. 
Luckily, they had managed to break the morale of the enemy forces and even captured all their supplies. Even now, he stood here. Dozens of transport vehicles were moving the supplies back while the barges docked at a temporary berth in the Salt Sea, where being touched by the troops. Even the enemies has a chance to ready and regroup up. Without supplies, they would not last long at the field. Now, they are trying to sort out amongst those who surrendered, who are the commanders and even see if they could find Moel Rothschild. At least now, without any leadership, the remaining Imperials were just rabble, like Burham without a head. He just needed his marines to mop up the remaining threat on the northern front, and he could be considered pacified. Now, he was just a young lord and a daughter of the Rothschilds to contend to. He wondered how he could leverage them to the interest of the UN now that the army had been totally destroyed. With the standing army of Rothschild destroyed, Joseph could very certainly see that the news and rumors of unrest within the country would have the land barons breaking away from control of the Rothschilds. Maybe he could lend a helping hand to the surviving members of the Rothschilds under his care, help them pacify the lands and the barons as a helpful neighbor. Joseph rubbed his chin in thoughts of how to solve this problem of the North ran through his mind. In the end, he gave a long sigh, how he wished he had another battalion or two of marines and these problems could be easily solved. He returned his attention back to the floating hulk and dragged towards the repair berths by the dark work to be assessed if it could be repaired or if it should be scrapped. His original plan was to have the PT boats travel up the river towards the inland sea, but without sufficient force, it would be hard for the boats to break through the Imperial blockades. I should really ask for a couple more of these PT boats from Haven. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so, like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.